This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Listening to Radio Hawks Bay on 104.7 FM, 1431 AM, streaming on the web, So This is the Family Works program, and it's my pleasure today to have in the studio Bev and Rochelle from the uh, Whakamana Fanu program at Family Works right here in Hawks Bay. How are you, ladies? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. It's great to have you here. Now, before we get to the programs uh, that you were involved with, um, I might get a a bit of a let's have a bit of a drill down into why you got involved with uh, Family Works. Bev, tell us about it. Why did you get involved with um, with what you do? What is it about what you do that you like doing? How did you get involved? Um, so I started out um, with Family Works as a hippie trader. So mm-hmm. um, that's a program that we used to provide for parents and youngsters, um, like a preschool program. Yep. And I started out as a tutor then from um, doing that for a couple of years kind of in- inspired me to go ahead and um, complete my social work um, bachelor's degree. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of did a 360 and went back to Family Works because um, they're an awesome organisation to work with, very whānau orientated mm. and very supportive. So, yeah, happy to be back there. What is it about social work that wanted to get involved with that? I mean, why weren't you a lawyer or a doctor or a broadcaster? Or I suppose as a um, before getting into social work, it was about helping um, whānau out in the community. So um, for me, I take great pride in being able to support whānau that are um, struggling mm. through um, different issues um, in their lives um, at this time. So being able to um, support them and, you know, you can have one win out of 20 and it's worth it. It's very gratifying. So... And it's awesome to see Fano progress and become um, self-determined and making awesome and positive yeah. choices. Now, I've been involved with Family Works for some years. Um, is the struggle worse now than what it was when you started, or is it pretty much same old? I would say um, at this point in time, things are getting harder for Fano out in the community, but mm-hmm. um, I'd say that's probably nationwide um, with the whole pandemic and um, COVID and people having to deal with different types of stresses. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that um, it has increased. Yeah. What about you, Rochelle? Take us on your journey into Family Works. Um, so I'm fairly new to Family Works. I started last year in September, um, and I came from another organisation in Napier. Mm. Um, I was working in the Family Start service um, over in Napier. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to change, so yes. I uh, originally originally applied for um, another job position at Family Works, which was already taken, mm. um, and then was emailed about some other positions, and the FTC monitoring one was are. there, which sounded very, very um, interesting and a good space for me to help whānau yeah. in between the spaces between where they were and the Oranga Tamariki, which is where the contract comes from. And again, what what makes you what made you want to get involved with social work as opposed to uh, getting involved in anything else? Because I, I would imagine, and I'm not saying fortunately I, I don't do what you do, but um, I imagine that you must hear some stories that you can't get out of your head. You know, and when you go home at the end of the day, you think, "Wow, how does that how does that sit with you?" I mean, my journey started about 15 years ago, and mm. I was a single mum on the benefit, mm. and it was time to do something different. Mm. So, working income had the um, you know the work program. Yes. Um, we do the 
um, assessment mm-hmm. of what you might be good at. Yeah. And mine came up with social work counselling, wow. psychotherapy. So I thought, okay, we'll do that. So I jumped on the introduction course, which was about 17 weeks. Mm. And that covered basics of psychology, um, human development, um, sociology, all of that stuff, the very basics, and fell in love with it. Yeah. That was just a click. So I carried on doing the degree and then haven't stopped since. <laughs> Okay, so now I would normally ask this at the end, but we'll do it now. So when you get home at night, you've had a hard day at work doing what you do, you put your feet up, you pour yourself a big glass of that old orange juice. What <laughs> makes you feel good, Rochelle? Um, well, it was my kids. Yeah. Um, growing up, my son, so, you know, he was always my happy space. Yeah. Um, he's an adult now, but still catch up with them. I just like having the downtime, just reflecting Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Bev? You get home, you've had a hard day. What makes you reflect and say, whew, what a great day? Um, I suppose just getting through the day is a um, yes. really good start, you know, because sometimes our days are really hectic and others are not so. But um, when we get, oh, when I get home at the end of the day, for me, it's I really try and separate work from home. So it's on my drive mm. home that I'm reflecting about, yeah. um, you know, what's happened through the day, what am I going to do the next day, but... I suppose just knowing that I've done the best that I can for the families that I've worked with in that day is good enough for me. That's marvellous. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to have a song. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the programmes um, that you're working on. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Start to make it better. Hey, you don't be afraid. You were made to go out and get her. The minute you let her under your skin, then you begin to make it better.
You're back on Radio Hawks Bay. This is the Family Works Program. Today we're here to talk about Dafakamana Fana, and we have Bev and Rochelle in. Tell us about the program, Bev. Uh, so Fakamana Fano is the name of our team, and it's basically just about empowering Fano to make better life choices for, um, you know, as parents for themselves and for the well-being of their children. Um, within that, um, within our service, we have the FGC monitoring team, which Rochelle and I are both um, a part of. Mm. Um, we also have the Ministry of Justice contract, which um, we are um, contracted to deliver non-violence programs for men that have been mandated um, mm-hmm. through the court referral process. Um, and we also have the Fakamana Fano program, which is. Um, we support whānau who have lived with or are currently living with family violence. Um, and also one of our team members is running programs within the prison, Total Kotane, so that's helping um, dads parent from a distance yep. and um, just helping them to um, establish or keep that bond established with their children um, before being released. Uh, also, the she does the BOR, Building Awesome Whānau Program, mm-hmm. so that's for parents with children 10 years and under. Um, just foundational skills for parenting to help parents be on the same page when they are parenting their children. Hearing <clears throat> you say that, and I guess reading it from a, a page, it sounds like, oh, yeah, well, that, that couldn't be too hard. I can't imagine that it's as easy as what it sounds, uh, Rochelle. Talk, talk us through the process, to, because, I mean, you're dealing with people who badly need your help, because parenting, as far as, um, I'm, from my point of view, it doesn't come easy. It's not what you expect it to be. There's a whole lot of things thrown in the way uh, uh-huh. that you think, wow, well, what happened there? Tell us about some of the things that, that you come across. Um, a lot of the things that I find when we've had family refer to us is the amount of just day-to-day stresses mm. that they're living with, you know, 24-7, that yeah. aren't always included in the referrals. Um, the fr- referrals come through and they sort of show the, um, you know, the immediate, the observable um, needs or the observable risks and then when we go in and actually talk with the family we find out why those risks are there yeah. um, and why those things are happening and um, what I've found is that they're, they're general things that every person deals with day to day but they just they accumulate or um, you know a particular family might have a history of you know history of family violence mm. where it's learned behaviour yes. um, and they know that it's not helping and they know that it's not healthy and that they're hurting, their families are hurting but they don't know how to do different things. They don't. They haven't learned that, mm. and so it really is down to sometimes education, yeah, um, or knowledge. You know, families lacking the knowledge that they need to make different decisions than what they have been. So, how um, do those people hear about your services? Do they come to you, or are they referred to you, or how do they hear about you? We get all sorts of referrals. Mm. Like for the FGC contract specifically, that comes through Oranga Tamariki. Mm. That has to come through them because it's their process. Mm. Um, Whakamanafano can be anywhere. Yep. Um, and for the MOJ, obviously, that comes through the Ministry of Justice. But for the non-violence programs, um, men can self-refer mm. and they can go through the Whakamanafano, um pathway rather than MOJ if they want to do the program to yep. learn some different things. They can do it on their own. So self-referrals. Um, the only referrals criteria of that one is that they have to have an active protection order. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I suppose you are busy. It goes without saying that you are busy. I mean, is it easy for someone to, to get involved with the course? Could I, could I knock on your door tomorrow and say, here I am, I need help, or is there a waiting time? Mm-hmm. Um, not with our programs that we, um, 
deliver within our service. Mm. Um, it's pretty much you can walk in and we will try our best to accommodate you and support you because we find a lot of the time if people are coming in and for self-referrals, they're wanting to help now. So, like, we... It wouldn't be enough to turn them away because we could lose them in that moment of time, you know. We want to be able to be there to say, hey, we're here to help you and what can we do Mm. to do that? And if they're ready, they're ready then. They're not going to wait. You know, that that that, that space of readiness can go away quite quickly. Indeed. You know, so if we are there to welcome them and take them on board right then and there, that's when the changes can make can start happening. Yeah. And is there a criteria to get involved or do you just have to knock on the door and say, hey, I need help? Is that, is that the criteria? For family works itself, there is criteria um, that the families, that the people that come in, they have to have children. Mm-hmm. There has to be, it has to be yes. a family unit. Yeah. Um, we don't generally take in um, people who are just single individuals mm. without families. So that is one of the main criteria for the yeah. overall service. Yeah, but they don't have to be living <coughs> with their children mm. or they just might be trying to work towards something mm. to help them be a better parent or to have um, access with their child or children. Mm. So, yeah, um, yeah, there's a big assessment that we do um, prior to, um, you know, commencing with the programme or whatever. Mm. Do you work with just the individual or do you then bring in the family as well once you've got partway down the track or is it the whole family from the very beginning? How does it all depends. Yeah, it depends. It all depends. On. Mm. So, um, with the program, our, our um intention is to work with the oh, and the FGC is to um work with the whole entire whānau. So, um, and that you know, if mum is a solo mum and the kids haven't had contact with dad or whatever, mm. we will try to you know, we like to do like fucker papa so we know who their support people are. So it might be that they have a good friend mm. um that's a really close auntie to the kids or the maternal or paternal grandmother. So it's, it's about um, getting that assessment right so we can assess who are their supports or healthy supports mm-hmm. anyway. And the needs and the strengths as well. Mm. I think, you know, one of the big, big part of the practice is strength-based because we get the referrals and it's all about needs and risks and, and sort of negative things. Mm. And then mm. we go in and, and there's just as many positives and just as many strengths. They might not be, you know... Evidence. So easy to see, yeah, evidence, so mm. easy to see right off the bat. But when we do the assessments, all of those things come out and then we can, you know, we can sort of see, well, these are risks, but at the same time, these strengths are supporting those, you know, mm. making sure that they're not as yeah. high. And the families usually have all the resources that they need mm. somewhere in their space. It's just finding them and helping the families pull them together. Yeah. They have them without knowing that they have them, right? Like, so, yes. you know, this could be, like, their third time around with the same issue. But, you know, the question would be, like, how did you um, manage to um, pull through it the last time? Mm. You know, and without knowing they've done it before, mm, yes. but they haven't realised, oh, actually, I can do that. And it hasn't been named or it hasn't yeah. been an actual thing. Then, when we pointed out, we said, oh, so you did this, this you know, at this mm. time. And then, like, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I did this and this and yeah. this. And then all these other things come out as well. Um, yeah. And I think... It's also very important to remember that every family and every person that we work with has a vision of what they want their future to look like, and yeah. nobody says, "I want to live the way I am." The yeah. way, or I don't. No one, no one says, "I want to be in pain no. for the rest of my life." No one says, "I want to, I want to live in poverty." No one says, "I want to struggle." Everyone mm. says, "I want better." Yes. But it's mm. just, how do I get from where I am across this gigantic canyon of all sorts of different things yeah. to where I want to yeah. be? And that's where we help to build that bridge. And then once yeah. the bridge is built between them and how they get to where we can go, because yes. they're more than capable of yeah. carrying on their journey themselves. And for, the, and for a lot of the families, it's, it's their norm. So it's mm. like about showing them that there's 
a different way mm-hmm. or a better way. Um, yeah, just giving them the tools to be able to do that. Eh? I wonder how you do that because uh, you mentioned a bit earlier, Bev, that um, a lot of a lot of family violence is generational, and you know, that might have been going on for I don't know hundred years in some families. But yeah, you know, we often get asked the question. We have a, a program with the uh, the Women's Refuge. And uh, one of the questions that many people say to me is, oh, well, ask, ask the lady from the women's church, why do women keep going back? Mm-hmm. And uh, often, you know, I think the statistic is that a woman will go back seven times before she finally gets away from it. And the average person has never been involved with family violence will say, well, what on earth would you go back for? They don't realize, yes. you know, the mitigating circumstances. So it doesn't surprise you, though, that um, because it has been generational, uh, the issue with violence, is that... Yeah, you might. I wouldn't want to do. I don't want it happening to me. Therefore, I'm not going to perpetrate it. Do you get surprised by that, or is it so deep, deeply ingrained, or ingrained in their thought process that you can understand why they do it? Just coming to that to that question, why do people? Why do? Why does the victim go back? Um, you know, there's numerous mm. reasons why a person would go back. You know, the violence is a single part of their life in that space. Yes. You know, they've got houses. If they've got kids, they've got you know. This is the kid's home. That's their mm. home. They know the stuff. They know where everything is. They've got schools. They've got friends in that space. There's so many reasons for them to stay that has nothing to do with the violence. Mm. Um, and I think one of the main questions that we ended up learning to ask was why doesn't the person who's doing the violence stop? Exactly. Why, why does the person yes. have to leave? Why doesn't the person mm. doing the violence, mm. why don't they stop? Mm. So it's putting the responsibility for the violent behaviour back to the person who's doing it rather than the person who is responding to it. Um, How's that received by the people that you're talking to? You say, hey, look, it's actually look in the mirror. It could be hard hitting for some of them because, mm. like, like you said, it is generational. So, mm. um, you know, they've not only witnessed it from extended whanau, their own um, parents, grandparents. So um, I suppose to some extent they feel like it's not their responsibility to um, acknowledge that and be the one to stand up and make the change like mm. it is the, um, the cycle. Yeah. it is put back on the victim Yes, mm. and a lot of the times the violence and the angry feelings come from feelings of pain yeah. as well, emotional pain you know, their own trauma yeah. Um, yeah. You know, people don't just behave violently for no reason, there's always something underlying triggers. it um, you know, like the iceberg theory, you see the violence but then what are the feelings and emotions that are feeding that violence and I think that that can sometimes yeah. stop people from acknowledging and taking responsibility for the violence because they know what's causing it. Mm. So mm. in their mind, well, I'm justified because I this, this and that. Absolutely. And so it, you know, part of our job is also helping them to identify and acknowledge those emotions that are leading to the behaviour of violence and then they can start mm. to acknowledge their behaviours. So once the process starts, how long does it take in, in the main? We can't really put a time on that, um, a time frame on that. Uh, it takes as long as it takes. Mm. Um, I mean, especially if it's been happening for years and years and years, it's not going, something that's going to be fixed overnight. So um, it's not like a six-week course and then see you later? We don't have a... Well, not for Whakamana Whānau, we don't that's have great. a... Mm. Yeah, Whakamana is pretty open-ended, mm. eh? Yeah. The, the, the MOJ program is, obviously, is, is a 12-week 12, 12 mm. program. It's 12 weeks and mm. then that's over. Um, but then what they can also ca- carry on with Whakamata Whānau and we yeah. can support them outside of the MOJ contract. Mm. Yeah. And are they free? Once you get involved, yes. do you have to pay? You don't have to pay? No, you? not at all. No. no all free, free services, yeah. yeah. Um, that would be a huge barrier if there was a cost and yeah. we would have hardly any work, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So how do you, how do you judge that the, um, 
the process has been successful. So if someone comes to the end of the road with you and say, look, I, I think I've, I'm done here. Well, that's with our whānau plans, because we always do whānau plans mm. with our families, and we, you know, the family-led plans. Mm-hmm. Like I say, we, we, we talk to them about the needs that have come through the referral, and they tell us why they're there, and then we help them to create a plan mm. to address those needs and anything else. And so with our family plans, we review those mm. as needs be. So if it's quite high-intensive needs, we will do it every fortnight or yes. every week or whatever, or you know, maybe every three months. And then you can see the progress with those plans, and mm. you can see how they're moving forward. If anything else pops up, we address it. Yeah. And then we get to the point where actually the families are more than capable mm. of continuing by themselves. They don't need us. Mm. Yeah. You know? And so then we can say, we'll talk to them about closing off. Um, but they're always welcome to call us back yeah. if they yeah. do, if something falls over or if something they need us. They know where we are, so yeah. they're more than welcome to call Our us Our door's again. always open, yeah. yeah. But um, I was going to say, they... Um, Family work social workers are all really well um, good at like forming awesome relationships with the whanau mm. that we work with. So, uh, and that's another way that we can gauge that, like um, because our relationships are, get quite um, strong with these families and the children. Um, mm. You can gauge that. Yes. Yeah, and you know whether you feel safe enough to say, "Hey, you know, we probably will be coming to an end in the next but couple of weeks or month or so," just to give them that heads up and let them prepare themselves for that, because sometimes we might be the only people that they interact with out mm. of their home. So, mm. And that must be a good feeling for both of you, because uh, they feel better. And like you said uh, earlier on, uh, Rochelle, that uh, a problem shared is a problem, problem halved, that you can almost mm. see someone's look a bit lighter yes, definitely. just by talking to you. So, so do you follow up? I mean, so I've been to your course. It's six weeks down the track after I've, the last time I came to see you. Do you get on the blower and say, hey, Ken, how's it going? Or does that... If that's a part of the plan, mm. if that's yeah, part of the closing can. plan, yeah. then yeah, no, we can sort of say, okay, we'll catch up with you in, yeah. in a month's time and just check in and see how you're doing. And mm. then, yeah. um, or if they really don't need us, then we'll say, well, you, you contact us if you need if you need us. Yeah, it all depends on what they what they need as well. Yeah, but we also like out in the school, so we can like see the see the kids and stuff. Mm. Out if we're like in the schools for another reason, have a catch up that way, or mum might be there picking up kids, or mm. yeah, just have a quick chat. Mm. But yeah, we definitely can do that. Mm. That's marvellous. Can you believe it? We've come to the end of the road, and you thought it was going to take <laughs> ages, but here we are. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind just reminding our listeners, if uh, someone needs your help, how do we get hold of you? Um, so our office, our main office is um, on Linden Road, 104 Linden Road, um, free to walk-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it 104 West? West. <laughs> and have you got a phone number? <clears throat> 876-2156. Rochelle, Bab, it's been my pleasure to talk with you and I look forward to talking to you again in the very near future. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.